everyone. Welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, sponsored by the North Jersey Vipers, the longest-running softball program in Bergen County and one of the premier programs in all of New Jersey. They have a proven recruiting track record for getting players to the next level. They currently have 21 alumni playing NCAA college softball. So if you, your daughter, or someone you know is looking to play high-level softball for an elite club team, Visit their website at NorthJerseyVipers.com. We begin at the top of the Tri-State with your defending national champion, UConn Husky, symbol of might to the foe. Fight, fight, Connecticut. It's victory. Let's go. Get up, Husky fans. Not that they need any more hype, right? Hey, but when you're 5-0 and and ranked in the top five in the country, why not sing the fight song? They beat Texas in the championship game of the Empire Classic at MSG 81-71 on Monday night. And my man, Dave Borges from ctinsider.com was front row as he is for every UConn game. He joins me now on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, Dave I'm I'm sorry I had to put you through that. I hope you were covering your ears during that rendition. Well, you know, I, I, at least now I know what the song is. I, I never knew the words before, so uh, <laughs> there you go. I'll send you the lyrics, all right? And then you and I can do a little duet next time. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, don't know if, I don't know for exactly the Everly Brothers here. <laughs> or the Isley Brothers, for that matter. Yeah. I think we're dating ourselves. <laughs> So, Dave, um, how about this streak? Let's start there, right? UConn has won 22 straight uh, non-conference opponents, beating them by double digits, dating back to last season. North Carolina holds the record of 23 straight, set in 2010. And, you know, barring some, I don't know, something strange happening, they play Manhattan on Friday, New Hampshire on Monday. They're likely going to break this. How impressive is it? It's incredible. And when you think about some of the opponents they beat, too, I mean, obviously in the last year in the NCAA tournament, they beat uh, six high-quality opponents, uh, San Diego State in the championship game. They beat Miami, Gonzaga, and St. Mary's. Uh, Iona, coached by Rick Pitino. Um, this this streak includes wins over at Florida. Um, uh, Oklahoma State at home last year. And, of course, uh, you know, and a lot of low majors and mid-majors as well. Um, of course, in the the, the, the uh, in Portland last year, they beat uh, Iowa State in the championship game. They beat Oregon and and um, uh, it's escaping me. This Alabama, who at the time yeah. was ranked in the top five, I believe. So uh, and then of course uh, over the weekend or these past two nights, um, two pretty good teams in Indiana and Texas. So uh, it's been really impressive the way they've done it. Just to win twenty three two in a row is incredible, but to win them all by double digits is ridiculous. And. Listen, you're there for every quote from Hurley. I, I want to quote a couple of things that he said. I mean, it, it's kind of scary when he's saying stuff like, you know, we're going to try to beat you by as much as we can beat you by. I mean, that seems to be their motivation. Yeah, they're they're focused and they're 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 together. They're um, you know, they and they they know what they want to do and they know what they want to accomplish this year, which is to repeat. And they also have other goals. Their goals are to win as many of these tournaments and bring as many of these trophies home. And that includes the um, Big East uh, Championship, which they which has eluded the program for a while now, mm-hmm. and the Big East Regular Season Championship, too. They're, you know, There's things that they did not accomplish last year that they want to do this year. So um, 
that's, you know, they, they have a lot of goals and they have no sympathy towards their opponents. They have respect, but that when they go out there, they just look at the dominate. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and listen, with with the top of the Big East, I mean, it's clear you have, you know, UConn, Marquette and, and Creighton and throw them in a hat and right now pick the best team. Uh, what did you think of the way this team performed? Tristan Newton uh, named tournament MVP and you probably could have given it to Alex Caravan, too. Yeah, and that's the thing about this team and, and last year's team as well. Last year at the uh, PK-85 Invitational out in Portland, Donovan Klingon won the MVP coming off the bench. <laughs> uh, that, that's how deep this team has been. And it's just, last yeah, a bunch of different players could have won it. Uh, that, you know, last year in Portland, <clears throat> excuse me. And this weekend, you know, uh, Caravan certainly had a, you know, his shooting wasn't great on Sunday, you know, and maybe that's what hurt him. And actually kind of started off slow Monday night as well, but really heat up with some clutch shots in the second half. Um, you could you, you look at what uh, Samson Johnson did last night with fifth, career high fifteen points, eight rebounds. The job, the all around game that Hassan Diara played. Um, there's just so many different weapons. Cam Spencer had two pretty good games. So there's just um, so many weapons in this team. That, that's what that's what's uh, you know it's kind of fitting that that the MVP was somebody that uh, sparked debate on, on whether two or three different guys should have won it. That's very well said, and it just shows you the the importance of of having the point guard and the lead guard. Obviously, Tristan Newton was a star last year in the championship game in the Final Four and, and showed what he's capable of doing. Uh, if I had to pick one person, oh, Dave, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I said this a couple of weeks ago, with, with no Jordan Hawkins, with no Andre Jackson, with no Adama Sonogo, who was going to be the leader, the go-to guy, and and... I mean, maybe it's Tristan Newton, but for my money, Alex Caravan showed he wants the ball in his hands in crunch time. He knows what he wants to do, where he wants to go, and he hit two clutch jump shots at the shot clock buzzer late in that game that really showed you that he has no fear. He's got a knack for that. He actually hit a shot clock buzzer beater in the first half as well. Obviously, it wasn't crunch time, but... Um... And last year, you know, he made a habit out of hitting halftime buzzer beaters. Uh, you know, again, not game winners, but uh, giving your team a nice momentum going into halftime, which is always important. Yeah, he's he's just. I said beginning of the year, I thought I thought Tristan Newton would end up being their leading scorer this year. I just think he's you know he left the ball in his hands more. He's obviously a pretty good three point shooter, gets to the line a lot, good foul shot shooter. Um, Caravan though. Yeah, he he might be the offensive key in a lot of ways, but then again, you know, you look at Donovan Klingon, who's kind of gotten off to a slow start, and um, there's just so many different ways you can go with that. So, uh, yeah, I would say uh, I would say um, Caravan is a good, is certainly the guy who you probably would go to in crunch time. Yeah, and 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 I'm sure Hurley will look at matchups as well, but but clearly he has no fear and wants the ball. And, and that's half the battle. However, you, you talked about a number of players, right? I want to go through them one by one. Let, let's start with the big man. Any concerns about Klingon? Uh, you know, his numbers aren't exactly eye-popping. Got a lot of press early in the year. Uh, and rightfully so. Should even first team all Big East, second team, you know, all-American type of conversation. We have yet to see the best of Donovan Klingon in my mind. Yeah, he was out uh, for about a month with a foot injury in uh, the preseason. There was even some question whether he'd be able to play in the in the season opener a couple of weeks ago. He ended up he, he did play, but you know, that month um, probably hurt his conditioning a little bit. 
He's still probably trying to catch up to that a little bit, maybe a little bit of rust there. And uh, and apparently last night, according to his father on, on, on X or the former Twitter, um, Donovan was uh, under the weather last night. So that may have contributed to him having uh, – well, and plus he had foul trouble as well. Yeah, he hasn't gotten off to a great start. Uh, but, again, I think he's probably trying to catch up on his conditioning a little bit. And he's also playing a lot more. He's doubling his minutes from last year. At least that's the goal. So um, it might be a little bit of a learning curve here. But uh, I would suspect he'll be fine, uh, you know, within the next few weeks. Okay, and and listen, the, the the depth is there. They have this two-headed monster that that Hurley likes to refer to at at center, and we're finally starting to see uh, why Hurley has loved Samson Johnson so much. Uh, had an, he erupted last night, right? Fifteen points, I think, eight rebounds. What what are your impressions of him now that we're seeing you know a, a healthy Samson Johnson? Just the dynamic, six foot ten, long armed athlete. Um, you know he. Almost every basket he's made this year has been a dunk, and many of them uh, of alley oops or follow ups. Just you know, splash plays um, electrifies the the arena, it pumps up the team, um, and you know he's been he, he was great last night or Monday night against uh, against Texas. Uh, yeah, Dan's been pumping him for a while, saying he's got the potential to be a lottery pick someday. We never we haven't seen that the first two years because of injuries and other things, but um, he's looking looking good. He needs you know he needs to. There's things that he needs to get better at. He's, you know, he's not re- not a great rebounder at this point. Um, not a terribly physical player. Uh, there was thoughts that he could be maybe a little bit better than a perimeter player, but he doesn't look like he has a great shot. But, um, but he's, you know, he, he might be an NBA player given his size and athleticism. And, and we saw that with Andre Jackson. You know, his size and his athleticism uh, put him in the NBA, made it made him a pick. So, um, Cam Spencer's a guy that that. Uh, People in New Jersey got to know very well last year at Rutgers. Uh, I watched every one of his games. Uh, I love everything about this kid. You know, he he was the leading scorer at Loyola, leading scorer at Rutgers. Doesn't have to be the leading scorer at UConn, but yet could on any given night. And we've seen that. There, there's no ego on this kid. You know, what are your impressions seeing him not only in practice, but in games up close and personal? Really impressive kid. Um Impressive off the court and his maturity and his, um, yeah. you know, just the fact that he's there stare to play basketball. And he really wants to win. He wasn't there last year, obviously, for the championship. Wants to get one of his own. Um, does everything. Bill, he, you know, he's built as a, as a shooter. Um, you know, he's been a good shooter so far. I think he'll be better for them. But, um, I mean, I think he shot like 44% from the from three-point line last year in, in the Big Ten with Rutgers. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, but the thing is, his all-around game is he's an excellent distributor facilitator, passer, um, you know, give you a little bit of defense, maybe not his strongest suit, but he tries. And uh, he, can, he can rebound, he can, he, and he just knows basketball. He's, he's a team player. So really impressive all around, not just a shooter there with uh, Cam Spencer. And, and he's, you know, he's a fifth-year player. So I'm sure he brings leadership and experience to this team that, you know, they, they may not have in certain areas. And, and ha- have you seen him be a leader? Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's he's kind of the new guy, right? I mean, he's not quite, he's probably trying to find his voice a little bit still. Um, again, he wasn't there last year, other guys were, but I think he's smart enough to understand when to kind of speak up, maybe assume that role. I know Dan Hurley wants him to at some point. So um, it's hard to say, but I think he just leads by his intensity, his 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 love of basketball and his um, willing to do, willingness to do every, anything for the team. Yeah, I mean, Rut- Rutgers misses him. I mean, Rutgers will be okay, but but... 
there's certainly a void, uh, not only with his shooting ability, but, you know, creating steals. There, there's so many little things that he does that uh, you really, really appreciate having a guy like him on your team. And um, Hurley did a great job recruiting him in the offseason. I know that they had to, you know, replace a shooter. And 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 I think they so far they've hit a home run with him. Uh, you know, another play that they had to recruit hard was Samson Johnson. And, uh, you know, it's a credit, Dave. What do you think? Some of these players in this day and age could have transferred, and, and Samson Johnson could have been one of those guys. Why, why do you think he stayed? Well, I think Dan Hurley and the staff convinced him that he was going to get a, a real shot this year to play and contribute and be a big factor for the team. And um, he wasn't as a freshman, you know, he just ineffectiveness, a little, little, uh, just never worked out. And then last year he was injured and, and never, and when he came back, he just never got back into the rotation. It was kind of already set. So, um, I think they really had to do a good job of, of re-recruiting him, but um, I think he, he he trusted their their vision of what he can be and what he can do this year, and so far it's working out pretty well. Yeah, very fortunate, and and he's only beginning to tap into his potential, as as you said. Uh, Hassan Diara was quite impressive as well in in New York. You mentioned his name, and and to have a weapon like that off the bench, it just shows you the depth of this team, Dave. What what, what did you think of him? But he was great on Monday night. I mean, just a terrific overall performance defensively, steals, a couple of block shots. He really held uh, Texas's leading scorer, Max. I never pronounce his right name right. Azemas, I believe, is the last name is. Um, guy who scored over 2,600 career points. Uh, not all, not at Texas, but um, still a prolific scorer. Uh, really helped, helped keep him in check with just 10 points. Um, and then offensively, just, uh, you know, dishing out uh, alley oops to, to, that Stampson Johnson uh, making some nice buckets himself. Uh, just a really terrific all-around game. Native New York kid, so he he, he really he really savored last night's game and um, played great. If they can get, I mean, they're not, they're not going to get probably an all-around performance like that from him every night. But if they can get good efforts from him, they're going to get effort. But if they're going to get good performances from him uh, most of the season, they'll be in good shape. No, no question. So uh, that brings us to the injury report with Stefan Castle. Uh, what's the latest on his injury and can we expect him on the court anytime soon? Yeah, I think all signs point to the fact that uh, the injury isn't as serious as it could have been. And um, something that he can come back to Dan Hurley gave sort of a two to four week time frame, And that was about, uh, that was a few days ago. So, uh, and then I, I you know, he, we haven't had a chance to talk to Steph, but I guess he told an ESPN reporter that he, he expects to be back for the Kansas game on, on December 1st, which, um, you know, UConn plays at, at Fog Allen, which is going to be great, and it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. I'm sure he'll be psyched for that. So if that's the case, uh, you know, it'll be inside. It'll be basically about two-week two week, um, uh, low-end uh, prediction of Dan Hurley. So, um, yeah, you know, obviously they've they've won without him, but uh, with him, they're, they're just a whole lot better. Yeah, what what did you uh, – what do you like from him so far in, in the games that you saw? I know I know it's not major competition. Yeah, well, I mean, he's six six. He's a six six, basically point guard, um, but he can also he drives to the hole beautifully. You know, not a great shooter from uh, distance, but um, that's something he, he can get better at. Um, but just a just an athletic six foot six guard who can do just about everything on the floor, guard almost any position. Um, again, it wasn't against great competition, but you saw, it, and, and he played very well. This apparently in the in the closed door scrimmages for UConn that uh, the media can't go to. He played very well. I think he was the team's leading scorer out in 
a European trip they took this summer, which again, wasn't against very good competition, but it is what it is. He did what he had to do. So um, he's a projected lottery pick. That's all kind of, for mm-hmm. this, you know, in 2024, that's all you need to know when and done type of talent. So uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's the real deal. Yeah. Th- those are the players that Dan Hurley uh, has attracted and lured to stores, you know, first round picks, NBA players, lottery picks, check them all off because that's the talent that's here. And when you lose a player like Castle and replace him with Saul Ball, uh, he's more than held his own, Dave. Uh, what did you think of what you've seen from him as, as a starter? Yeah, I mean, his first few games, he had the freshman, you know, a few freshman mistakes, maybe even the freshman jitters. Um, but he started the last couple of games now, and it seemed like in the second half of um, uh, this, yeah, second half of the Indiana game, he, he started to come alive a little bit. Uh, started to feel his oats a little bit, and then last night in the first, in Monday in the first half against Texas, he um, he had two just incredible sort of highlight reel dunks, follow up dunks, knocked down a three pointer early, that was kind of uh, big for them and the, to get some early momentum. Um, it was kind of almost a little bit of a coming out party for him. Uh, he's just a dynamic athlete, and all all reports have been that he's been a really great shooter in practices and, and uh, preseason stuff. So. Again, a, 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 a dynamic athlete, excellent shooter, just another top flight, uh, top notch recruit for Dan Hurley's program. Yeah. So it's clear UConn has established themselves as a top five team in the country. We're going to find out more over the next couple of weeks. As you said, at Kansas, uh, they'll play North Carolina again back at MSG, at Gonzaga, who, you know, they're not a number one team, but they're they're certainly very good. They They lost to Purdue in the Maui Classic, we'll see how they bounce back. The schedule will tell us more, Dave, but through the first five games, what type of a grade would you give UConn number one? Uh, what has surprised you, if anything? Well, I'd say the biggest surprise, um, you know, last year their depth was what there was the biggest weapon. They, you could take a starting five out and bring five guys in and, and or four guys in one starter, I suppose, uh, and, and not lose uh, much, uh, if, if anything. Sometimes they played even better than the starters. So um, that was the question mark this year. They're not quite as deep, especially with Castle injured. Um, you know, they're basically eight, you know, eight, not eight deep with, with Castle, maybe nine if they can get some more stuff out of a couple of guys. But um, I think maybe the depth. And the way the benches, bar and large, played uh, so far in the early goings has been a surprise. And just the way they've been able to to kind of feed off of last year's, almost like continue last year's momentum. Just because it's a lot of new, new guys and they lost a lot of very excellent NBA players. NBA, you know, a couple of them are in the NBA right now. So um, I think the way they've just not skipped a beat, really, is probably the biggest surprise to me so far. And, and that's a credit to Hurley and, and his coaching staff keeping them motivated and, and high-level practices. We've seen videos on social media, how hard they get at it, and and how emotional and fiery he is. And, and I think the team feeds off of that. They, they've always done that with, with Dan. You and I have talked a few times on this podcast about his temper and ability to, not ability, but you know his penchant to get technicals. We haven't talked about that since, you know, early in the Big East season last year, Dave. He's done a nice job with that. Yeah, he, he realized he needed to pipe down a little bit. He, you know, it seemed like it was possible some some refs even were, you know, um, I don't want to say targeting him, but uh, 
you know, he was going after him pretty hard, and, and, and I think it hurt UConn overall in terms of some of the officiating they got. Um, this year, you know, yeah, he, <laughs> you know, he, he tried pretty hard. <laughs> he, he went after the officials pretty well. Um, uh, even in some of the, 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 the low major early season games, he, he, he's been um, not as bad as in the past, but, you know, he has, he's had some words, some interesting words. Um, and I think sometimes I think he even uses it to just uh, keep his team. In, not that the, his team needs much to keep engaged because I think that's how they're built anyway, but the way they're wired. But, you know, when they're up 12 and he's still barking like they're down 12, it's, it's just uh, his way of keeping his, keeping the pedal to the metal, I suppose. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's, he gets that from his dad, from Bob Hurley, hall of famer, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, chip off the old block and, you know, you're never satisfied. You never want your teams to be satisfied with where they are, rest on their laurels, you know, keep pushing them, keep trying to find new buttons to push. And, and he does that. So a couple more questions, Dave. We're talking with Dave Borges from ctinsider.com. Longtime UConn beat writer. Dave, if you're an opposing coach, all right, how, how do you come at this team and, and do you see any weaknesses in them? It, it, the thing is, it, it it takes a lot for them to uh, a lot of different guys going cold in one night to be to be able to beat them. It's, it seems somewhat unlikely that that would happen. You know, you, you try to, as far as you know, getting Klingon in foul trouble, maybe um, limiting his effectiveness. Samson Johnson, who we just talked about, um, you know, isn't really a classic defensive kind of center. So maybe you, know, you get Klingon out, you, you you pound it inside a little more. Um, it's hard to say. They have good perimeter defenders. Um, you know, I think maybe the as we saw last year, as we've seen the last two years, that they can't lose in non-conference. So then they get to the Big East, and it's different. The Big East is a physical con- conference. So I suppose physicality, um, the type you see in Big East games, uh, is a good way to go about it. And, um, you know, and, and, and certainly UConn's going to get some challenges in the Big East this year from the aforementioned uh, – you know, Creighton and, and Marquette were both great teams, I think. And and there's some other good teams, too, that'll give them challenges as well. Sure. You know, Villanova, Providence has become a, a big rivalry. And, and and you never know. You know, may, maybe a St. John's catches fire like they did last year. Right? The Big East is so unpredictable. They play each other two times. They know the scouting reports. And, you know, to get three, four losses in the Big East is, is a huge accomplishment when you're playing 20 games. So long way to go before then, Dave. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. You know, we're only we're only a few weeks into the college basketball season. We're not even getting through Feast Week. Speaking of which, the last thing I want to talk to you about was Hurley was asked about, you know, the, the streak and the non-conference streak. And he mentioned how they're playing Manhattan the day after Thanksgiving. And he's going to he's thinking about canceling Thanksgiving because, you know, the guys will uh, will get too stuffed and and uh, you know he, he doesn't want them to to eat too much turkey, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't want that trip to fan kicking in on on Friday, right? right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny with that because I think that you know Dan's a, Dan's a complicated guy sometimes. I, I think you know he didn't. We no one knew about the record until it was mentioned last night, and I, I legitimately think he didn't know either. I think it's something that he's excited about he wants to have that record he wants to break it but at the same token he doesn't want his team like so focused on it that they're looking past like just assuming they're going to go out and beat manhattan by by 30 or all they do have to do is beat him by 10 but i think if they even did that he'd be upset because he probably wouldn't have been their best effort so it's interesting but um 
I think that, uh, you know, you got Manhattan and New Hampshire, the next two opponents for Kansas. So I think, you know, there's a pretty good chance UConn's going to get that record. Yeah, no doubt. And then, and then, you know, it, it'll be the, the regular season game of the year, uh, quite possibly. I mean, I know there's a pretty good uh, field set up in Maui, but between the championship game in Maui and that, that UConn Kansas game, you know, when it's all said and done, we could be seeing number one versus number two if if things kind of go that way. And how great would that be in Kansas? Incredible. I've never been out there. I'm so looking forward to being in Fog Island and just seeing that atmosphere and everything that people say about it. And even on TV, it shows through. And uh, great team. So many subplots in that game. Um, uh, it's going to be really fun. You know, they're whether it's one or two or not, they're also the, the last two national champions going at it. Bingo. Bingo. And 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 there's going to be a lot of hype about that one. A few games before then, and and uh, we'll see if UConn can get this streak over the next week or so, and and likely they will, and you'll be there covering it all. And if you want to follow Dave, uh, go on Twitter, at Dave Borges. Check all of his articles out, ctinsider.com. Dave, always a pleasure, and I will see you down the line. Uh, if not before, then certainly when – UConn opens the Big East at Seton Hall at the Prudential Center on December 20th. I know I'll see you then. So thanks for the time and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yeah, same to you, Brian. Thanks a lot. All right. Dave Borges always brings his A game. Love talking to him, and we will get him on again later in the season. Time now to go around the tri-state. Let's begin in New Jersey. Let's begin in Piscataway. It's that away to Piscataway. Rutgers. They have righted the ship, ladies and gentlemen, after that opening, uh, I'm not going to say disastrous, but opening surprise when they lost to Princeton. But really, is it a surprise on a neutral court? Because Princeton is damn good, and we'll get to them in a bit. Rutgers fans, you can breathe now, all right? You have a pulse. You've won four straight, likely going to make it five straight uh, since that opening loss. And, and how about Derek Simpson? Right. This is a young kid who came in with high expectations this year. Steve Peichel handing the young, talented point guard from Lenape High School in South Jersey, the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the Porsche. And what happens? He lays a clunker in game one against Princeton, has to come off the bench for the next couple of games, has to learn and has to swallow his pride. Not easy. When, when you think you're going to be the man this year, right? Well, how did he respond? He responded brilliantly. This kid, since being reinserted into the starting lineup the last two games, is averaging 19 points and four assists. He scored a career-high 23 against Howard. But what I saw from him was not just the moxie and the drive and the going downhill. This kid hit two threes. That is the missing part of his game. Do you know he's only hit two threes in a game a handful of times in his young college career? That is the part of the game that we need to see. All right? He's capable of doing it. He has to work hard on that jump shot because if he can draw the defense out and make them respect his shooting ability, that will bring his game to an elite level, a whole nother level that we haven't seen. For now, Derek Simpson is back, and he is leading this team, and he is starting to gel with Noah Fernandes. And that's key. Defensively, 
uh, offensively, both sides of the ball. Those two can be a very good backcourt tandem along with Jamichael Davis, who is who is emerging as as a very promising freshman and somebody who can defend and somebody who Steve Peichel can rely upon in crunch time. You want options. You want depth. Derek Simpson, Fernandes, Davis, they provide that. And Andre Hyatt has been providing the leadership for this team. He has emerged as, as the leader of this program since uh, they lost Mulcahy and they lost McConnell and they lost Cam Spencer. He's the leader. He took Cliff Amore aside at halftime of a recent game and said, we need you to be Cliff. We need you to lead this team. You weren't good enough in the first half. And Amore responded. It doesn't matter who leads his team in scoring. It may be Simpson. It may be Hyatt. Whoever it is needs to develop leadership and, and carry this team through the highs and lows. All right. Amori, we've seen him look more like Cliff Amori the last few games as, as big men have gotten involved defensively. He's had four blocks in each of the last two wins. And oh, by the way, that win over Bryant, how do you like me now? Right? Rutgers struggled. They didn't beat Bryant by as much as people thought they should have. Only won by nine points. Had to pull away late in that game. Well, Bryant just pulled off one of the biggest upsets in college basketball that we've seen in the last 10 years when they went down and beat number 10 Florida Atlantic when they were, what were they, a 21 or a 24-point underdog? So Bryant is celebrating with Phil Martelli Jr., their biggest win in program history, and Rutgers beat him by nine at home. So that win is looking more and more impressive. Rutgers is four and is, is now four and one. And things are looking more like Rutgers as they try to get their ship, uh, you know, going in the right direction and tougher times will lie ahead come December when their schedule really toughens up and we'll see how they can do against Wake Forest, against Seton Hall, against Mississippi State. But until then, we'll enjoy this Thanksgiving and get ready for the next one. How about Princeton? Go Tigers. Wrong Tigers, but they're still the Tigers. And boy, do they have some bite, huh? 4-0, another undefeated week, getting a lot of national attention, gathering a lot of votes in the AP Top 25. Fun stat. Princeton is the only undefeated Division I team that has not played a home game. They are road warriors. Their next game is at Old Dominion. And then they will finally host Northeastern on Saturday in their first uh, in their home opener at Jadwin Gym. Matalaco, Caden Pierce continue to lead this team. Xavier Lee. I mean, this team can do it all. Uh, when you have Matt Alaco, the Ivy League player of the week for week two, and Caden Pierce, the Ivy League player of the week for week one, that is a dynamic duo. And Xavier Lee just continues to put up numbers and, and be the, the third uh, player in that triumvirate. Alaco averaged 21 points for the week. And get this, he shot 76% from the floor on fire. 
He is the early, and I know it's early, but but he is your leader right now. He is your clubhouse leader for Ivy League Player of the Year. A lot of games have to be played, but Matalaco is certainly in that conversation. And 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 Caden Pierce, my gosh, I don't know the rebounding numbers in the country, but I, I'm willing to bet that you won't find a better six 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 seven rebounder in the country than Caden Pierce. I mean, the dude's averaging 12 rebounds at 6'7". My gosh. I Watch Princeton play. Watch how, just keep your eye on Pierce, how he goes after it on the offensive and defensive boards. Just watch him get position. Watch him follow the flight of the ball and anticipate where it's going. I mean, it is an art watching him rebound. God, don't follow the ball. Follow Caden Pierce, and you'll learn a thing or two about how to get position on both sides of the glass. So Princeton is looking good. Princeton is looking like the favorites in the Ivy League right now. But but listen, that Ivy League is tough. We talked to Brett McConnell last week on the podcast, and the assistant coach, He they know what's going on in the Ivy League. They know what's going on with Yale and Harvard and Penn, of course, beating Villanova. That's the big one. But listen, it's going to be very, very challenging. But Princeton is off to a rousing start. Okay? And Seton Hall, I know the Pirates haven't played anyone yet. But they have looked very good since that sluggish rock fight against St. Peter's an opening night when they had to pull away late, winning by 11. They have done what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to feast on these mid-majors, and they have. FDU, Wagner, Albany, check, check, check. Kaderi Richmond is doing his thing. We said in the beginning of the year, and listen to the podcast with the Big East Barroom, all right, with Ryan and Tyler, my guys from the Big East Barroom, Ryan Cassidy predicted Kaderi Richmond as a sleeper, as a second-team All-Big East player. And I said the same thing, and I said at the time that don't be surprised if Kaderi Richmond puts up triple-double-like numbers throughout the season. What were the numbers I said? 16 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. I know it's a small sample, but right now, He's at 14 points, seven rebounds, and four and a half assists. You won't find two better rebounding point guards in the country than Kaderi Richmond and Tristan Newton from UConn. Watch those two. Newton has eight rebounds a game, 8.3, I think, to be exact. And Richmond has seven. They go at it. Richmond, I, I've you know, he's like a poor man's Jason kid. He's a big guard who goes after it and wants to get the rebound and wants to lead the break after getting the rebound. So he's doing his thing. If he stays healthy, that is the straw that stirs Seton Hall's drink. Dre Davis, the tri-captain, came up with a big game on Albany. He was shooting blanks from the outside, took his game inside, and helped... Seton Hall build a double-digit lead and win that game handily. I, I should say Wagner, 
not the Albany game, the Wagner game. All right. Alamir Dawes has been the most consistent threat from three. By the way, after that Wagner game, we saw Shaheen and Donald Copeland, two legendary Seton Hall point guards, two close friends get at it in the handshake line. And I think it had something to do with uh, Copeland's team fouling Seton Hall late in that game when the game was well in hand. Whatever the case is, Shaheen Holloway cannot, under any circumstances, take Copeland's hand and fling it away as they're in the handshake line. Donald Copeland showed great composure there. He thought about it, turned around, had to be restrained by his coaches before anything you know, got more ugly than it was. Shaheen Holloway cannot put himself in this situation. It's the second time it's happened. And listen, you start developing a reputation. Jawan Howard has a reputation like that. Ornery, angry, confrontational. All right? You don't want to have that reputation. He's at a Catholic university. To his credit, Shaheen Holloway apologized and says he cannot act like that. I take full responsibility for that. I like Donald. Donald's like a little brother to me, man. I'm super uh, disappointed that that happened. Um, but as a bigger brother, I take responsibility for it because it should never happen. Um, you know, I, would, I, you know, I, I got to realize where you... When guys are competing, you know, kind of like friendship and stuff, stuff like that, go out the window, right? Um, and he's fighting for his team, and I, I, I respect it. So, like I said, I, I, I take responsibility for that. Um, I like Donald. I respect him. Um, he's a good person. He's a good player. He was a good player, and he's a good coach. Now, listen, I don't know how it started. That's how the reports came out. Really, who's to blame here? It doesn't matter. To me, it's water under the bridge, and both guys – uh, have patched up whatever happened. They were close friends before. I'm sure this does nothing to taint their friendship whatsoever. The other thing I want to talk about with Seton Hall is some young players are emerging, okay? First of all, the big man, Jaden Bediaco, has proven against weaker competition that, you know what, he can finish offensively. He can be serviceable. He's gotten a double-double under his wing. He's shown a nice touch around the rim, around the basket. We'll see what happens against tougher competition. But Jaden Bediaco has answered the critics so far early in the season and has proven to be a valuable center and a guy they can rely upon in the middle on both ends of the floor. But to me, the big development for Seton Hall and the emergence of a player, by the way, of Isaiah Coleman. Now, listen. Coleman was a very good recruit. All right, a top 150 recruit, top 125 recruit, a four-star player. So it's not like we didn't know about him, but we didn't know he, what he was capable of doing and if Shaheen Holloway would allow him to be himself. Well, he is going to be a big part of this team. Isaiah Coleman has emerged. He is the first Seton Hall Big East freshman of the week since... Miles Powell. Now that's saying something because Sandro Mamakelashvili didn't win that award. Jared Roden didn't win that award. They took their lumps as freshmen. They were developing as freshmen. Both of those players, I bring them up because they're both currently playing in the NBA. This kid's athleticism, 
I'm not going to say it's off the charts, but watch Isaiah Coleman. I mean, he flies around the court. He's doing finger rolls. He's he's making layups from, you know, impossible angles. And that's the first thing that jumps out. He is rebounding above the rim for his size at 6'6". He reminds me, and I'm not going to call him an NBA Hall of Famer, but he's got that George Gervin-like finger roll. You know, Paul Pierce, for those of you who don't know who George Gervin is, you know, George Gervin, the Iceman, one of the top 50 NBA players of all time. Again, I'm not comparing him in terms of, you know, his talent, but his athleticism is something we haven't seen in a Seton Hall uniform in quite some time. He's earning minutes, okay? And the more he plays like this, it's going to be hard for Shaheen Holloway to not play Isaiah Coleman. Now, the other emergence in these non-conference games recently has been Malachi Brown. He has proven that Shaheen Holloway might just have a reliable backup point guard that deserves 5, 10, 12 minutes a game, not in garbage time, but in the first half and second half. So keep your eye on Malachi Brown. He's got a nice jump shot, very quick, a little undersized at 5'10", but he plays bigger than what he is. So those two freshmen, we'll see how they develop and if they keep getting their minutes going into the Big East season. And we also saw Jaquan Sanders uh, emerge from his injury in the preseason, and he is slowly starting to get back into shape as well. Seton Hall needs to come out of San Diego this week. No worse than one and one. You have four quality teams. USC is a top 25 team. Seton Hall will get them in game one, 530 on Thanksgiving night. Win or lose that game. They need to come out of here at least one and one. Iowa or Oklahoma await on the other side. Come out of this 0-2 and Seton Hall is not going to be feeling good about themselves, obviously. If they somehow beat USC and lose to, let's say, Iowa in the championship game, it, it's not a lost tournament. It's still a successful tournament. But no worse than one and one. I'm not going to kid you and say they're going to beat USC. USC is the more talented team. But USC, we'll see how their injuries play out, right? Injury bug has hit them. Uh, we'll see if it's a full team. We know Bronny James won't be playing for USC, but they are still, even without Bronny James, a top 25 program. All right? We'll see about Seton Hall. Lastly, in the Tri-State, I want to talk about St. John's. What a nice way to finish out the Charleston Classic. After beating North Texas and then losing to Dayton, St. John's beat a tough, big Utah team that, oh, by the way, was favored to win this game by four and a half points. So St. John's comes out of the Charleston Classic. They didn't beat a top 25 team. There was only one top 10 team there, and that was Houston. They ended up beating Dayton in the championship game. But St. John's beat, faced three quality opponents and beat two of them. This is the best St. John's has shot the ball. They hit a season-high 13 threes. They shot over 50%. But what we saw was Dana Dingle. Dana Dingle had his welcome to St. John's moment. 
the Ivy League player of the year has been slowed by a shoulder injury. And we saw the explosiveness. We saw the drive and the ability to shoot. And not just that. Dana Dingle had the early dunk of the year. Split two defenders at the top of the key. Drove down the lane through the other three Utah defenders and threw it down with two hands. An explosive dunk by Dana Dingle. They got the St. John's crowd going. A nice job, by the way, by the St. John's fans traveling to Charleston. All right, Dingle had his welcome to St. John's moment. We'll need to see more of that. Chris Ledlam broke out of his slump, his three-game slump. Had a nice night. Showed his ability to step back and hit the three. He is undersized at six foot six, playing the power forward. But if he can be a stretch four and step out and hit those threes and get rebounds, we're going to see what made Chris Ledlam Harvard's leading scorer last year. A very quiet, if there is a quiet, double-double from Joel Soriano. 12 points and 15 rebounds against Utah. And oh, by the way, they out-rebounded a bigger Utah team by 10 rebounds. So that really showed me something. St. John's defended. St. John's rebounded. St. John's shot the ball. Check, check, check. That is how you win games. It'll be interesting to see how R.J. Luis fits into this lineup once they get him back. Because he was a projected starter, don't forget. So somehow, Rick Pitino is going to find a way, need to find a way over the next five games to get R.J. Luis into this lineup before they play Xavier. Next five games. They will host Holy Cross at West Virginia, who we know lost to Monmouth, so they're not as good as they were supposed to be. Uh, a tricky Sacred Heart team who's playing well, who just beat Binghamton and has won two games in a row and is very experienced. Home to Boston College and at Fordham. Look, St. John's should be favored in all five of those games. I'm not sure about the West Virginia game, but they will be favored in the other four. So there's a chance, a strong chance, that St. John's gets to eight and two before Xavier. And if they do, you would take that. You were hoping for nine and one, but eight and two before you start Big East play, St. John's fans would 100% take that. That's where this team needs to be before they open Big East play. We'll see if they can get there. All right, everyone. On behalf of my staff, that's me, at the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, I want to wish everyone out there a very happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Enjoy all the basketball games. Enjoy Feast Week. We'll see if some of our teams can emerge victorious, and it'll be interesting to see where they stand next week after Thanksgiving. My thanks to Dave Borges from ctinsider.com, our UConn specialist and go-to guy. And our thanks, of course, to you for listening and downloading and becoming a follower of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. And last but not least, we want to thank our sponsor, North Jersey Vipers Softball Program. If you or your daughter or someone you know is looking to play high-level softball for an elite club team, visit their website at NorthJerseyVipers.com. Enjoy the games, everyone. I'm Brian DiNovellis. Until next time, 
Thanks for listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long.